Alrighty out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in and all the details of that galaxy far, far away. We're going to talk about things, concepts, characters, places, and TV shows as we go into a special episode reviewing a specific episode. I'm Mac, one of your hosts. I'm joined by my race enthusiast, Ross. Mac, great to be here tonight. We are talking Star Wars Resistance, the no longer newest animated Star Wars show. I know, isn't that funny, right? I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, Yeah, we're now, it is the third oldest Star Wars, no, that's not true, the third most current Star Wars animated show behind Visions and The Bad Batch. Right, and the fifth overall. It's so fun, isn't it? Uh, So here we are talking about, for the very first time ever, a Resistance topic. We have never talked about a character from Resistance. We have never talked about an episode of Resistance. We have never talked about a thing that is exclusively from Resistance, I don't believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the only thing we've ever talked about is like, Phasma appears in Resistance. Moving on. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So this will be good. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to start where you should start. We're going to review the first... the, The first burst of resistance it's technically two parts but it really is like kind of a mini movie yeah if you're looking at it on disney plus it shows it as part one and two the the recruit Recruit. if you're looking at it on imdb it shows a 45 minute episode titled the recruit yeah and and i can't remember i watched this on xd when it premiered and i do want to say it was just stitched as one i can't remember credits between or at least commercial breaks but i I think it was one and done. Uh, I, I I watched it. I remember I had it on my DVR, but I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. But it's pretty good. But I've watched this first episode like seven times by now. So I've seen it a fair amount. All right. I'm ready to jump in. I think we're ready to talk about it. We're going to start that right after this. First episode of Star Wars Resistance, I'm sure it's going to be a hard-hitting, tough and gritty war story, just like Clone Wars and Rebels. It's going to be about the struggle of the First Empire, First Order crushing the Resistance and killing all kinds of people on the Outer Rim, right? It's not going to be colorful and bright and for kids, is it? No, why would we do anything for kids? Screw the kids. We don't care about them. Star Wars isn't for children. What is it? They don't have money. What are they going to do? Enjoy it? Watch it, talk about it, fall in love with a franchise for a lifetime. We can't have that. You can't cultivate a franchise by renewing it every generation. That's silly. They should just go watch the OT and be happy. Okay, okay, let's get the salt out. Okay, we're done. Um, If you can't tell, that is jokes. We are being sarcastic. Because lots of people have a lot of, uh, shall we say, negative feelings towards star wars resistance which is what we're here to talk about today i would say i think it's one of these classic things in a fandom where resistance got a lot of what we just talked about like a lot of like why is this for me it's like well because clone wars and rebels wasn't really for us either we just could watch it and enjoy it uh which is true of this show just in a slightly different context 
Um, but the thing about this show is, I think its reputation has been lifting ever since Bad Batch got got going. As soon as people knew this wasn't every Star Wars animated show for the rest of time, right? That this was its own unique little block. Then yes. okay, we could be okay because like you know, like Bad Batch is gritty. <laughs> Bad Batch, oh boy, it sure and it is. is. It really is, and it is. And uh, you know what? It's okay, as we've talked about on many episodes of the show before. If not every piece of Star Wars is for you, but right. what we're here to do today is talk about this first episode, a, a two-part episode, a forty-five-minute episode, and discuss some of the things we like about it. Discuss the story. And, uh, you know, maybe give you a little bit of inspiration to check out Star Wars Resistance. Uh, Because there are some things that I think are really, really interesting about it. It definitely builds up more of Star Wars as a place. And I really really like it Yes, it does. And we're going to definitely talk about that. Because I think that is a big part of it, is universe building. All right. So we start off, we we meet our, our, our young pilot, Kaz. And Kaz is out in his shiny new... Uh, T-71 X-Wing fighter. Oh, uh, it's pretty. A, a, a relatively newly minted New Republic pilot who's out here in the middle of nowhere and he's supposed to meet someone when out of nowhere comes a tie, but not any tie. Oh, not tie any ace. tie. Yes, a tie, a scary red-colored tie fighter, mm-hmm. uh, sort of a mix of a Darth Vader tie advanced and a tie interceptor. Um. It's a very, very interesting start to the show here because, you know, if you had watched any trailers, you know, you had noticed that this is not exactly what the kind of stuff they were showing. And if you're coming in knowing anything about Star Wars Resistance, you're going, wow, this is okay. We're starting off in space with TIE Fighters and X-Wings and the New Republic and the First Order. Well, this is I know quite Wars. interesting. This sure is Star Wars, right? And it's obviously a different animation style than we're used to coming in from... Um, Rebels, you know, which had just been canceled. This is coming out right on the hot, the heels of it uh, being canceled. Yep. And we have a little space battle here where this TIE pilot ace is going after Kaz and two of his other New Republic co-pilots, all in their separate X-Wings. And now you could kind of ask yourself why three X-Wings can't formulate a strategy to take out a single TIE fighter. You could ask you yourself could. that. But instead, they're all kind of running from him. And Kaz sacrifices himself doing a sort of very slow version of Pin's uh, pose spin move to uh, come around and shoot at the tie, giving his friends a chance to escape into hyperspace. Well, he learned a long time ago that spinning's a good trick. <laughs> what? It is as it is, and it always will be. Spinning will always work, right? In fact, we see a good bit of spinning here in the first couple minutes. But unfortunately, during his ruse, Kaz takes a hit and is disabled. Um, Also, I noticed there's a moment where smoke is coming into the cockpit, but he's got his full rebreather mask on, like with the oxygen line, and he's coughing. So if he's getting smoke into that line, then that is not looking good. That might mean he has a... Oh, no, no, no. A busted seal in the cockpit? That's not good. No, no. Just that air has been sitting in there for a while, so it's pretty stale with the actual oxygen he's breathing. Oh, boy. I'm worried. I'm worried this might be a sign of a bigger problem. Have you ever had to be on oxygen? I mean, like, not in, like, a pilot situation. It smells like the tube that it's coming down. (laughs) 
Okay, so but but what I'm saying I, is, I know, no, I agree. He's got he this not be full coffee. mask, right? Like this I, full face covering. I agree. How he is the smoke getting in there? I'm I'm just curious. I, I, so I'm worried. Is, is what I'm, I'm saying. Making the joke of maybe it just smells. Okay. It smells like old plastic in there, and that's why he's coughing. It's serious damage. The point I'm trying it's to make really is he's, he's taking a it's bad. It's not like hit. you just like you know pop the moonroof and let it vent like. <laughs> I was going to say, there's probably no ejecting in this situation, but with the full helmet, once again, I wasn't sure. Maybe he could survive in space. I don't know. It's the first time we've ever seen like a full well, face in, mask on a pilot. I say, at least in old canon, it was the idea that, yes, there was a there was a way for to, uh, X-wing pilots to sort of seal the rest of their helmet. Yeah. And yeah, they would eject into space on just like the um, chair. Right. For sure. For sure. Okay. Uh, so at the last minute, as uh, the, the tie is about to kill him. Uh, yep. Poe comes up out of nowhere and saves the day, intercepting the proton torpedoes. And he's T seventy X wing. Yeah, a little bit, a uh, little bit different. Uh, and let's talk about timeline. Where is this? This is all before the Force Awakens. This yes. is taking place about a year before the Force Awakens. So this is pre Starkiller Base. This is pre First Order emergence into Ooh. the larger galaxy. I say it's more the Starkiller Base is being built, but um, well, sure. Th- this is the idea of this is where the the First Order is bursting at the seams, ready to go on the offensive, but being the leash is still being held because it's not time yet yes 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 the their their plan uh 30 years in the making is about to come to fruition and they're about to open the tap so after the uh confrontation with the tie poe scares him away into hyperspace gets him out of here and they rendezvous poe kaz on the republic command ship coming into the sector here so Poe uh, surprises Kaz with sort of the surprise rendezvous. So Kaz can drop off the plans that he had been carrying, the intel, Mm -hmm. for Poe. So that was the whole point of their mission. The New Republic was out here passing along information to the Resistance. Because, you know, we've talked about this. All of this information that we're kind of alluding to here, the greater story, comes from many different sources. Some of it from uh, the book Bloodlines. Some of it... um, from the sequel trilogy, some of it from the different uh, published works around the sequel trilogy. So all of this information of the sort of greater galaxy state leading up to the, yeah. uh, you know, fall of the cool. New Republic is sort of what, somewhat unknown. But basically what we know at this point is that the Republic supports the First Order or the, uh, not the First Order, geez, the Resistance in secret. They funnel them supplies and funds and money. But they the are more, completely separate sort of uh, black ops organization. Well, the whole thing about it is basically the, the New Republic does not in any official way support the the resistance. But what's happening is military folk, old rebellion heads from the New Republic are feeding the resources and intel to the resistance because they're essentially using them for proxy war. Because the New Republic just does not want to get into a war. It does not want to deal with the first order they're very much putting their their fingers in the ears and saying like no i think they'll go away yeah basically saying oh they're they're nothing to worry about they're, they're nothing to be concerned it's with not like they're building a planetary weapon that could take out an entire system that would be crazy <laughs> we uh, would notice that we would notice that <laughs> um so this is great because we kind of get to see the the fact that like kaz is kind of like chomping at the bit of like he wants to go prove himself we i think here I think it's here we get the illusion of his like his dad is the reason he's a pilot is because he basically got set up. He's been sort of 
groomed and spoiled his entire childhood in some ways of just like the reason he's gotten where he is is because of his family connections and he's desperate to prove himself as an individual to show he can do things on his own yeah he always uh so this comes up here because poe asked him if he'd want to sign up leave the republic and come you know fly for the resistance he's a good pilot and basically kaz says you know his dad who is a senator by the way right uh, a senator on hosnian prime uh that'll end well I'm sure it will uh, that, you know, his his dad would never allow it. His dad and he calls his dad asking for help. And his dad basically says, oh, what do I need to do for you this time? Blah, blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Kaz basically says, oh, I'm going to do this on my own. And so he accepts the assignment with the resistance, leaving the Republic Navy behind. And he's going to go and be a spy. This is where we get to the bulk of the story but before we get into that there is a fun little moment here where he does run into a hologram of general leia <laughs> and uh i thought that was just a nice was little fun. easter egg yeah nice little nice little bit here so we get poe bb8 and kaz heading into the planet castellon and there on the planet they arrive at the super tanker fuel depot the colossus, colossus. And the Colossus is going to be a set piece for essentially the entire rest of the show. It's the hub. Yes. So the Colossus, think of like a giant platform above an endless ocean. And on this platform, there is room for hundreds and hundreds of people to live and work. And there are hangar bays for fighters. And there is uh, an upper level where sort of the, the prime minister type guy lives. And there's a lot going on. But essentially, it is a small community out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, and, and the sort of motifs that they're pulling on is like an oil platform for a lot of the structure of it. Very much. Uh, and the culture of it is very like an aircraft carrier. The idea of this floating city and you've got all these different bays that are stores and uh, repair shops and mm. galleys and, mm -hmm. you know, there's like the bar and there is the casino and, you know, it's a very tight, small community. And yes, it's got some scum and villainy cruft around the edges, but in general, these are decent spacer folk. Absolutely, yes. And that is what this episode is going to center around. The rest of it is kind of understanding this base and getting to know the Colossus a little bit more. So as they arrive, uh, you know, we're sort of learning from Poe that someone here is working for the First Order. And it's going to be Kaz's job to find out who. That is his mission here. That is what he's here to do. And, you know, not happy he's being left here alone, Kaz but willing to accept the assignment. Right. And Kaz doesn't realize the strategic importance of like repair shops and fuel depots that the resistance can use. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taking advantage of his situation. Not to mention that way. the nexus of information this place is because of so many people coming in and out and in and out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of foot traffic, as you'd put it, right? Yeah. But as a kid, he's like, cool. So what, what do you want me to blow up? What TIE fighters do you want me to destroy? I want you to stay here and listen for things. Uh, well, okay. So do I need a blast? You don't need a blast. I just need you to stay here and listen for things. <laughs> and here as they disembark onto the platform, this is where we meet one of our first of many recurring characters, Niku. Niku. Now, Niku is super great. He's got a thing where he takes everything that everyone yes. says literally. Someone was watching Guardians of the Galaxy say that idea for Drax if he just doesn't have any concept for like metaphor or or hyperbole or sarcasm, 
let's do that, but make him a kid, which makes it even more dangerous. And very, very cute and funny. Yeah, he's uh, great. N- Niku is great. So he sort of hears that uh, Kaz is the best starfighter pilot in the galaxy. And so he <laughs> begins to pass that around. Kaz says he wants to become yes. the best yes. pilot in the galaxy. And Niku's like, oh, you're the best pilot in the galaxy. No, that's not exactly. I'll go tell everyone. And he does. So by the time Kaz and Poe arrive at Aunt Z's bar, our next new uh, mainstay character here, uh, the word has gotten around. Niku, uh, like a game of telephone, has passed around that Kaz has the greatest pilot in the galaxy. And uh, people hate him for it already. Because there's a lot of pilots (laughs) on here. Because there's an entire race circuit that works out of here that is a pretty high level so uh yeah so poe knows this place because this is where racers come to really really test themselves and so him being a great pilot has probably raced here before himself back in his spice running days <laughs> no this would be post spice running days remember we got a book about that oh uh, okay this would be post spice running but pre resistance probably well okay yeah yeah, hey. Huh, interesting. Hey. Yeah, I haven't read all of the Poe comic, but I don't think there's anything about the Colossus in there. I could okay. Working on it, working on it. Anyway. So so we get this uh this great set piece kind of of all of these sort of modified ships zipping around the platform, and uh that will be something we'll talk about here in a minute. Now at the bar we meet Aunt Z, who's kind of like the matronly figure who owns the bar and you know takes bets on all the local races as well that kind of thing. And um, at the bar here we meet our sort of next and uh, at least for now final new character Yeager. Mm-hmm. And Yeager is kind of like a you know I think from what we're meant to interpret sort of like a burned out Poe. Yeah. He lives and works here on the station. You know you kind of get the idea that maybe they've flown together or something like that. But Yeager doesn't really buy into Poe's uh, schemes. Let's put it that way. There's an old phrase from aviation culture that I think applies here, which is there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. Poe is bold. Yeager is old. (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. I like it. Um, And that and hey, folks, that's the rise of Skywalker. Poe going from bold to old. (laughs) <laughs> well, I guess that's really more The Last Jedi, but we'll talk about it. It's, that's that's not this story, If you're is an it? old pilot, it's because you lost some of that boldness and got more careful. <laughs> <laughs> so what we've got here, we've got Yeager, and basically Poe is talking to Yeager about taking on Kaz, letting Kaz stay here, holding him up. Well, meanwhile, Kaz is getting into some trouble, getting into a dart game where he proves he uh, has some serious skill. Yep. But he makes a bet with a local who tricks him by breaking the dart, and getting Kaz to throw the broken dart inadvertently into the back of a, uh, well, <laughs> let's say, a rough-and-tumble member of the local crowd at the bar. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it in. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this big fella does not take kindly to Kaz throwing a dart in his back. So between the physical pain there and the uh, 1,500 credits owed to his little friend, uh, Kaz is in a bit of a rough spot to start. So he uh, finds himself in his first bar fight. Not quite the same as being in an X-Wing, is it? No, 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 no. It's neither nor in the stars nor in really a war. (laughs) And so since Kaz is now left on the platform out of money, he uses, or I should say Nico uses Kaz to get Kaz a race to prove himself. So without trying, Kaz Mm -hmm. is now enrolled in his first race, um, yes. which he has no ship, 
No Way to Fly and now No Credits. Uh, he, I'm sure to work out great. I'm sure to work out great. He's got a few enemies looking for him who he owes money to. And he's got a boss who doesn't really want him there. So yeah. not a great start for Kaz. And that is the first half of the story. That is the first of the two-part episode premiere. Yeah. So, Mac, before we move on to part two, that's the beginning of Star Wars Rebels, the first tw- or Resistance, the first 22 minutes. Uh, takeaways. I really, really love the animation here. Um, I know a lot of people, I think, have complaints about it, but I am a huge fan. I love how colorful and bright it is. I think it is all so eye-catching. It's like like watching a show of concept art. I know that doesn't really make sense, but that's kind of how I think every piece is this sort of bold, eye-catching sketch that looks almost unfinished in a way, but in a really fun way. I just really enjoy it. I feel like it, it, it's an echo to what, how people originally took Clone Wars. Clone Wars had the hand-painted textures and stuff like that, and a lot of people took it the same way. Of like, what is this, previs? Like, this doesn't seem like it's done. It's like, no, they're going for these more geometric shapes, or in this show, yeah. these very soft shapes. Like, you lose the edges of the shapes all the time on purpose. Yes, it's a lot of, like, colored blobs. And, like, when you look at uh, Flix, who's a character that will come up in a little bit, he's a chicken, right? But he's basically just a white shirt with, like, a few little feather accents. Like He's got very little detail. Yeah, and when they turn and stuff, you see that, oh, yes, this is a 3D-rendered character because every once in a while, like, say, like, um, like the main character, like Kaz, will turn and you'll see the, like, corner of his jaw. And then he'll turn around and then he'll just disappear into his skin tone and stuff. And, like... I can see why that's off-putting, but it's it's cel-shading, and it looks good. I like it. I, I really enjoy watching it. I think it's fun to watch, and I think uh, some of the episodes that are later in the show, we'll talk about this more at the end, but um, really take advantage of this visual style. So I highly, highly recommend it for that alone, just as a fun thing to watch from a, a visual standpoint. Mm-hmm. Mac, any thoughts about the first 22 minutes? Any opinions? Man, Kaz got screwed. Yeah, boy. It's really not a good start for him. Um it is fun to see Poe and BB-8 there oh. with him. I think that's that's fun. We didn't really mention BB-8, but yeah, he is Oscar there. Oscar does a great job. Of yeah, just yeah, yeah. Channeling the Poe, you know. Oh, for sure. It's great when you have the original actors reprising their role in animation. Uh, and it's great here because Poe shows up in and out throughout the show. But in this first episode, you know, we get a really good introduction to the state of the world. And because of this, we also have kind of learned, you know, this X-Wing that uh, Poe is flying here this is the X-Wing that gets destroyed on Jakku or not. Yeah, no, it is Jakku. It is Jakku when mm-hmm. he goes to meet Laura Santeca. Yeah. So this is that same X-Wing. So we know that that is sort of coming up in his future. So it's really fun to see the pilot Poe is. Yeah. Before all of this, right? Yeah. He knows the First Order's planning something big. He's out there in the galaxy trying to figure out what. And that is essentially all of Poe's agency right now. We know nothing else about him. And so it's fun to have a different character than we met mm-hmm. who's essentially in the middle of a war every time we've seen him otherwise. Right. Really, really like that. So I think it's a great start. You want to jump into the next 22 minutes? Let's do it. All right. So part two opens up. And Kaz is out on the deck of the Colossus watching the race, trying to figure out how to back out. So there are five aces <laughs> on the platform, and they are racing around. And the idea of racing on the Colossus is everybody launches from the base, and there are these rings sort of floating in the sky. Uh, think uh, basically any version of like a 3D Mario that has uh, golden rings floating in the sky. You know, you're yeah. kind of flying through them. And the idea is to finish the race in first, to get through all the rings, and to not die. Yeah, and this is w- without, again, hover wings, rings, because we don't have them. But this is how like 
air races generally do work in our world. Yeah. You have to fly through gates. Yeah. Um, and uh, that creates the preconceived course, which gives us roughly an oval or whatever shape you want. And then, of course, these are going super fast because these are these just very narrow spikes almost um, that are very like F-Zero or wipe out these futuristic <laughs> yeah. like hot rods that's a good way to put it they are sort of f-zero like um essentially they've got these incredibly modded fast ships and you know uh kaz is trying to figure out how in the world he could even compete with this and everybody's telling him well you're gonna die like it's not just you're not gonna win like you're not gonna survive this crashing into the ocean things are gonna eat you it, it, it doesn't work out <laughs> <Yeah>. well <laughs> the surface of the ocean is really hard you could blow up there and if you don't they'll eat you <laughs> yeah <laughs> So as they're watching and as Kaz is trying to figure out a strategy, they zoom in on him in the crowd as the next challenger. So there's this giant video of him up on this giant floating screen for everybody to see. <laughs> yeah. And it pops up there. I love how they have this like pre-show like uh, warm up. Like they're getting the crowd pumped up for the race tomorrow. I love this. And they show the five competitors he can choose from. He's allowed to pick his one-on-one -on -one race competitor. And he chooses the uh, most like, innocent, uh, nicest, kindest looking of them all. Yeah, he's like, he's like, like well, there's there's a young girl about my age. Yeah, no, she's she's got to be the least experienced, like me. I'll pick her. Actually, dude, she's the best ace, and she's also the daughter of essentially <laughs> our, our the leader of this entire facility. Yes, and this is where we'll meet a new character, Tora Doza. So ace number five, Kaz's challenger, or I should say, the person Kaz is challenging, right? And a uh, incredibly skilled pilot, and like you said, daughter of the administrator. Okay, next up, um, we also meet a few of our other new characters here: Tam, Tamra, mm -hmm. who works in the shop with Eager, and Bucket, who is a droid uh, uh, over a hundred years old. Yes, don't make them like they used to, right? I do love Bucket. It's just go it's so dumb. <laughs> I love it. Uh Tam is mad at Eager because he's bringing on another person and they already can't afford what they have. Right. So, not good. Not a good start. She does not like him. Yet again, Kaz is finding out just how bad his situation actually is. <laughs> he's got no money, they've got no money. Nobody has any money. Uh Bucket is great, yeah, because Bucket wears a little uh fighter helmet of his own. Love that. Yeah, to complete his dome that's not there. And this, once again, kind of shows um, more of Eager's sort of history as a pilot, saying that he was my co-pilot. And so I like that little Easter egg. Well, not Easter egg, that kind of little drop there. Yeah, this uh, is his, yeah, his yeah, navigator. Exactly. Uh, Tora shows up to meet Kaz, and she tells him, uh, well, you know, just kind of very casually and nicely informs him that no one has survived racing against her. But you probably will. I'm sure you'll be okay. A very echo to episode one. I'm sure he'll finish the race this time. <laughs> Good point. I like that a lot. Um, so Tora's great. She's got this really fun, like, orange and blue outfit, like, in the sense it's just very bright and colorful. She's very, like, I'm outgoing and fun and, and, and bright, but uh, I'm going to beat you now. But I'm also ruthless. Yes. I really, really like that. Well, and, and she's uh, also showing just how much we're She's got this, again, this slick racing suit. Like, it looks like a... Yeah, like a motorcycle racer's like skin suit or yeah. whatever. You can tell she's prepared. She's done this once or twice. She's been here before. So they need to prepare the fireball, which is Yeager's ship, that uh, will eventually Kaz will use for and the luckily race. Luckily, it's in great condition, top of the line, ready to get. 
No. Just needs a few little things to get airborne. Well, it's got to be really fast. It's called the fireball, right? It's called the fireball because of how fast it is, yeah, right? Yeah, well, it, no? it, if it's more that it might explode. Oh, well, that's not good. No, it's not good. But well, I'm luckily... Sure I'm sure it's finished a race before. There's a fix. There's a <laughs> fix for this, Mac. Don't worry. Okay, good. And the fix is Flix. <laughs> the fix is Flix. And Orca. The fix is Flix and Orca. So... Because the fireball is not air ready or air worthy, would you say? Air Do worthy. they say air worthy? Because the fireball is not air worthy, they have to go meet the local, uh, should we call them junk dealers? Parts providers? Uh, parts um, purveyors? Eccentrics? Uh. <laughs> We're going to meet the uh, first openly gay couple in all of Star Wars. I think that's right. Apparently, Flix and Orca. And We're great. All I want to say here is. If this show exists for no other reason <laughs> than to give us flicks, that's all I need. It's worth it. That's all I need. This is fine. Flicks is great. So Flicks is a gay chicken. Indeed. And he's amazing. Uh, voiced by Jim Rash uh, from many, many things, but I think a lot of people may know him from Community. Uh Flix and Orca are providing the parts, and uh, Niku yeah. and Kaz show up and provide the list of what they need. And of course, it seems like they're like requisitions or supply because the one thing about it that's a little different than a junk dealer is I don't see them collecting stuff so much as cataloging and managing stuff, if that makes sense. That's fair, but they do take, I mean, They've got they've got a provider. They've got someone shipping right. them the parts that then they're selling for an upsell mm-hmm. for sure. We don't know the if this is like some sort of like franchise or what. But basically, what they, I see is they're a they're a junk shop. You know, Unker Plot. Yeah, I see. Basically, them are like at Unker Plot. Like they they buy parts yeah. from people and then they resell them at a better price after they refurbish them or yeah. whatever. That makes a lot of sense because we see they have parts of varying quality, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Mm-hmm. But they're great. They're so much fun and they're energetic and they're just they're the type of guys who they're not the wado of like just being like, oh, you better pay me, right? They're just, they're fun, and they're nice, and they're basically like, a, well, uh, okay, we'll get it all for you. But then as soon as they figure out Kaz has no credits, mm-hmm. they come to a grinding halt. Oh, you're poor. Oh, yeah. So see, the thing is, uh, you have to pay for all this? Yeah. About that. Yeah. No credits. Huh. Well, maybe you could give me one loan. No. but luckily Niku comes in and saves the day talks to Orca says Orca listen we've been friends for a long time buddy there's got to be something you can do and he takes pity on him and goes well I guess we have some secondhand parts we could spare why don't don't you two go get us lunch go get us some lunch come back with a nice gorg nice big juicy gorg and we'll see what we can do. do yeah I like that you know, taking some pity on Niku and Kaz, uh, helping them out, and just showing that, you know, being nice can get you places sometimes. I like that. Well, the other thing about it is, I mean, they're going to die. He, Kaz is going to die in the fireball tomorrow. Might as well at least give him a shot. <laughs> give him a fighting chance, right? So uh, Kaz, Niku are out looking for this Gorg. And I love that they refer to them as the Womp Rats of the Sea. Yes. Very, very much like that. The Gorgs, imagine little piranhas on legs. Yes. Like little purple round piranhas on legs. That's kind of how I would describe them. They're cute ugly. Cute ugly for sure. So Kaz gets the Gorg after uh, an encounter 
with his uh, assailant from the bar the night before. But after sketching a quick deal, they are able to basically agree that he will uh, allow them to sort of do a pseudo sponsor. He will advertise for them on the ship, on the fireball. In exchange, they will let the debt go and uh, everybody wins, right? Right. Except for the Gorg, who's going to be eaten. Well, it's their lot in life. So they take the Gorg back to Flix and Orca, who it turns out have already eaten and decide to keep the Gorg as a pet. Aw. It's very The Gorg cute. wins too. The Gorg wins too. Uh, and we will see more of the Gorg. The Gorg is very cute. They will come back up. But this is where Kaz realizes all of the parts he's getting, uh, he's going to have to carry them all back to the hangar. Not exactly an easy task, is it? Yeah, shipping handling wasn't covered. <laughs> they are secondhand after all. So after he gets all the parts back to the hangar, uh, Eager and Tam are not very happy at him. Quality, not quite what they expected. I can't believe you couldn't get anything better with no money. And of course, Kaz is like, do you know how hard I had to work on this? I had to walk downstairs, talk to two people, walk upstairs, get my finger bitten by a gorg, talk to another guy, walk back downstairs, carry the parts up here. I mean, I would have had to do 80% of that anyway if I had had the money, but and it was had, hard. And because I'm a spy, I'm not going to tell you this, but my dad's a senator. I have never had to work this hard in my entire life, he, ever. It, it, it's a little surprising because he doesn't strike you as someone who doesn't want to do the work or doesn't want to work. But also there are a lot of moments where he's like, my life is very difficult and it's really... I think the point about it is I think it is only because he gave up a cushy position in the New Republic yeah. because he wanted a life of adventure to prove himself. And all that's happened is him just like, you know, keep losing his grip on the last rung of the ladder. <laughs> yes, yes. But finally, here at the end of the day, Kaz will have a chance to prove himself, right? Because now after the fireball has been repaired... Close as close to repaired and functional After as it can be. After the fireball is made functional. <laughs> Kaz hops in and Yeager reminds him here at the last moment that remember, you don't have to win. You just have to survive. I mean. And of course, Kaz is like, sure. So I have to win. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as the race goes on, well, as the race starts right away, the fireball not acting right. Uh, the thrusters do not power on and. Kaz almost crashes into the water, but throughout the race, able to get the fighter up and running and able to catch up to Tora. As mm -hmm. they're coming through the last ring, Kaz is ahead, but Jaeger radios out to him, hey, you got to pull back or that engine's going to explode. Kaz listens to Jaeger's advice, pulls back, Tora wins the race, but then the engine explodes anyway, sending Kaz crashing into the final ring and then into the ocean, knocking him unconscious. But not dead. But not dead because a moment later he wakes up surrounded by all of his new friends and Tora. And we basically find that, like, he had a good showing, all things considered. Everyone is kind of surprised with how well he did. And once again, the first person to race Tora and not die. That the is saying one. something. That is saying something. And I mean, throughout the whole episode, they are sprinkling in that Kaz is a good pilot. You know, Kaz does have piloting skills. So this isn't meant to come as like an out of nowhere type of thing. But it very much is a young kid who maybe is a little too full of himself. 
kind of getting his first lesson about the greater galaxy as a whole. And it all happens against the backdrop of a fun Star Wars story um, in a new and unique place that really expands the universe and sort of sets the stage for how people in the galaxy feel about the First Order. One thing about this show that's really going to be cool as it goes on is they really spend time talking about, well, what do, you know, different people in like the same family, some support the First Order, some don't. How does that play out, right? Do people mm-hmm. want the First Order to take over the galaxy? What does the First Order do to sort of scheme their way into, you know, getting people on their side? How do they go about and sort of tricking people into that, you know? Uh, th- there's really great stuff sort of about the entire world yeah. going on here. Uh, and and I really, really like that about w- this show. And one thing I like is it, it follows up from my perspective, the Phasma novel of sort of setting up who Phasma is and Cardinal and some of these other higher ranking members of the first order armies. Um, and, and again, this is not a war show. Like most of the show is more about the people and the effect of the first order than it is wars among the stars. Yeah. Um, but it definitely has some of that. Um, and in many cases it, it helps flesh out the sequel trilogy era I agree completely. And and just helps you kind of understand like, okay, what is the world of the average person in this 30 year years after the battle of Yavin period? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially on a place like this, that is so small and remote that the new Republic isn't looking at it or paying attention to it. You Mm -hmm. know, how is the first order allowed to fester in a place? And this very much shows how it's possible in a very realistic way. Um, if you haven't given the show a try, it is very much a show for children. If you have younger children, you know, five, six, and uh, you want this to be their first Star Wars experience, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if you also watch this and say, you know what, this isn't for me, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's a show that only has two seasons. It's all available on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the entire first season a few months ago. Uh, and I'm kind of in the process of season two now. Season two is very different. So there is sort of a big change that happens at the end of season one. Yeah. Not going to give away any spoilers right. there. Um, but it, it's something that, hey, if you want a little more Star Wars, if you're all caught up on the High Republic and, you know, you've watched all of uh, Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch, uh, maybe it's worth a try. Yeah. And I, I would suggest it, especially for anyone who just, you know, opened your mind a little bit of like, yes, it's a little less dramatic and a little less scary stakes, but it's really fun. It's a really fun show. It's a classic cartoon. It's yeah. fun. It is fun. Absolutely. Uh, and I really enjoy it. Um, they made some like one line of action figures that if they're not already one day, I know they're going to be insanely valuable because of how uh not sought after they were and how few were made so one day they will be super pricey so if you have any uh well action figures aren't for children so <laughs> so uh if you have a uh, a bucket uh action figure or a tam in box who knows maybe it'll be worth something one day good good on you mm-hmm. <laughs> all right friends we're going to get out of here though we're going to leave the colossus behind and move on to something else but wait there's more because as the show ends we see that original fighter pilot from the very beginning come out of hyperspace and emerge on Starkiller Base. That connects to The Force Awakens. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> 
Coming in for a landing here on the azure skies of Colossus. You can hear the bursts of energy as we land and finding out that the fuel cost is going to be a lot more. Do you think it's a do you think it's a hyper fuel depot or a conventional fuel depot? I would imagine it's like a unleaded and diesel. They probably have both. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a trucker stop. Yeah, I would think. I would think if you're going to have a whole fuel depot, you got every kind of fuel. Yeah, we got the ones for the cars and the ones for the big rigs. Yeah, I would think. I, think I, would. I would think. I mean, I would imagine like a Star Destroyer couldn't refuel there, but I bet the Falcon could. Falcon. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're like, right. Like there's a certain, like a, a shuttle could refuel there of any kind. Yeah, I think you're right. I think like freighters. We get it up to freighters, mm-hmm. but it definitely feels more like uh, more privateers, like scout ships and single yes. guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, Something that could carry a family, not a battalion. Yeah, yeah the minivan, not the, mini. the uh, yeah, not the yacht. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, it was fun. I, I mean, like resistance. resistance is. I have a much bigger appreciation after finishing the first season. Yeah. Um, especially after the ending of the first season, which I really liked. Um, I, I mean, for me, this show is world building. That's yes. what makes this show interesting. That's what makes me want to go episode to episode is what is this going to introduce? I mean, there's a great moment right in uh, the first couple episodes there, uh, right before you meet Flix and Orca, about you see one of those little uh, minion looking like yellow poof guys. Yes. I can never remember what that species um, is called, but they're just they're there waxing the floor. Yeah, it's I love those guys. I love those guys. I think they're great. They have that great story in that uh, Aliens Tales book. Remember that like yeah. horror story? Um, they're, they're great. They're fun. Um, and just like seeing little aliens like that in the world doing things is something that I find interesting. Well, so, I, I mean, I like it. It's fun to res- watch. I think Resistance just represents what is happening to a lot of Star Wars fans in the last you know uh, decade. They're it's having just- kids. Well, no, it's not just that. It's just realizing that Star Wars is going to be bigger than you can consume. The all-you-eat buffet is not there for you to eat all of it. It's all of what you want to eat. And, like, I think a lot of people reach that resistance. I reach that with Rogue One. Um, You know, some people have always been that way with, like, the video games and stuff. They just don't want to care about those stories. And, like, that's totally fine. Um, and I think it may be a little harsher for some people that when Disney took over, like, ah, I can get on board here. I don't have all this baggage. Well, the baggage showed back up. And yes, it would be very, very difficult to be up on every single aspect of Star Wars these days. It's possible, but it's like a full-time job. We know we're trying. (laughs) (sighs) That's a good point. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say about all that is just don't watch something you're not enjoying. Sure. If you're not having fun with it, if you tried something and you don't like it, don't watch it. And just remember, that's fine. Wikipedia is right over there. If you just want the lore dump of what happened, Mm -hmm. you you can go find it out. I mean, it's not as entertaining. Or you can listen to us every week if you want to get a slow weekly drip. Are you? Are you? We're just going to do a resistance episode every day. No, but eventually, eventually, we'll eventually we'll have to eventually. (laughs) 
Now we're just going like episode one thousand two hundred sixty-two. All right, we're talking about Resistance episode seven today, guys. Episode seven, yeah. Uh, some pirates showed up. They were bad. Kaz learned a lesson about friendship. Man, remember the sequel trilogy, man. After we had the other two sequel trilogies, it's hard to remember that this is what the original <laughs> sequel trilogy looked oh like. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, boy. This this fourth Palpatine clone was a real trouble for them. You know, Rise of Skywalker really hated the fact he came back, but yeah. like, you know, it makes sense when you look at the whole saga. You know, I didn't think JJ could do that pork trilogy, but he pulled it off. Uh, you know, you think you think you want Ryan Johnson on that, but no, JJ found something in the porks that no other yeah. director saw. Yeah. It was basically Happy Feet. I get it, but hey, remakes are remakes, they're fine. Yeah, no. It had lasers. That makes it better than Happy Feet. Yeah, the Talia Sire with a laser on its head. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, JJ, we love you. It's okay, uh, buddy, that you can't complete a story. It's fine. Uh, you know what? But hey, it's at least consistent. Um, yeah, consistent, so, consistent. But he made beautiful looking stuff. Um, sure. So anyway, uh, no, good times. Uh, not much has changed in Star Wars land since the last time we talked. I am slowly working my way through the visions. Uh, I'm enjoying them, I think, more and more as I go. So I kind of felt the same way. I've watched them all twice now because I, there were some that just kind of like, I don't know. COVID broke something in my brain where I just have a real hard time concentrating on new things these days. Mm, interesting. Um, but so like I need to watch a lot of stuff twice like this now. But yeah, I mean, I stick with what I said before. The Elder... Um, the Ninth Jedi, the Duel, those are certainly the ones that I enjoyed the most. I also really like Akakiri, the last one. Um, but, I mean, I like them all. I, ha I have fun with every single one of them. There's something I like about all of them. I enjoy watching them all, and uh, I'm sure we will get more. I'm very excited, like way more than I expected to be for the Ronin novel. Um, mine is actually delayed and not coming for like a week or two past release because oh. apparently I didn't pre-order it in time. Like I, I pre-ordered it, but not soon enough, apparently. Not so it's not. Wave. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, look, if, if I don't know how that happened, but if you're out there on Earth at the time of this recording, you realize that if it's made of molecules, it's hard to get it. <sighs> that's fair. That's anything. Fair. Literally a, anything. There's a boat blocking a body of water somewhere and it's hogging up my Ronin copy. Or chip shortages, yeah. or container shortages, <laughs> or trucking shortages, or port problems, or customs problems, or or do you want a PS5? Yeah. Just give up. Just well, give up. Well, the good news is, remember kids, you won't have to worry about the end of the world for centuries. Your grandkids, grandkids, grandkids will worry about it. You'll be fine. Yeah. This teacher. is a fairly man-made problem, but yeah. yes, we, yeah. <laughs> the other things that we're doing definitely aren't helping. Yeah, those aren't man-made problems. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, this isn't I mean Star is, Wars related. Well, well, I was going to say, the climate changing and, and getting at us, yes, we may have caused that, but it's the climate that's hurting us. This is us just hurting ourselves. <laughs> like, there's no cause and effect. There's just cause. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's put it this way. If there's a problem, maybe we just should look in a mirror. We should, yeah, yeah. But hey, that doesn't affect Star Wars. You know what they say, you know, if you want to change the world, start with yourself. And uh, that's what we're doing by making the best Star Wars we can, <laughs> bringing you entertainment and here these apocalyptic yeah. times. Tell us if your Ronin book is on time. Star Wars all in on Twitter. We would appreciate it. <laughs> we would like to know. Ross wants to know. What Maybe else should we talk about? Tell us what we should talk about. We say this every week. Yes. Tell us what we should talk about. If there's a topic you want to hear, um, shout it out us. Maybe it's one we haven't thought of. But until then, I'm back. <laughs> and I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the force be with you.
This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.